0: If you have a bible nearby let's go to the book of mark chapter ten our uh, Our journey through Lent together has um it's kind of had us, um, kind of circling in kind of the same, the same pool of truths. I guess is a weird way of saying it. Uh, but we kind of, kind of been uh, not really in a holding pattern, but we've we've been in the same general area for a little while, and uh, kind of centering around the idea that that Jesus invites us into a relationship with Him that is essentially the relationship between a rabbi and his disciples, and the disciples would would follow the rabbi around and try to learn everything they possibly could so that they could uh, basically become exactly like him and Jesus inviting us him inviting us into that kind of relationship means that that we follow him and Lent is is a journey from uh you know, basically from where we celebrate Jesus coming from heaven to the earth and in the incarnation, but Lent is a journey from that point to the cross, and so we've been following Him, and and that's our destination is ultimately uh, death. That's the the landing point for us in Lent, uh, but what's cool is within that death is actually life, and you know all that, and so we will get to that for sure, but. What we're going to do uh, for a few minutes together tonight is—is is really look at where he's had us for the last couple of weeks, and and why, and the significance of what that looks like. And and so I want to sort of do kind of a review, but it's on purpose. Um, we've used Luke nine twenty three as kind of an, a framework for the last couple of weeks. Where Jesus says, if anybody wants to come after me, if anybody wants to be in that relationship, uh, that rabbi-to-disciple relationship, uh, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and just come on and follow me. And so the denial of self, we've been really pressing into the idea that, that we're very uh, in, inclined to love ourselves to honor ourselves, to do whatever is in our, our best interest. That that's that, that is what we're born into, and that is part of what Jesus died to free us from. And He's leading us out of that. And so Jesus says, if you want to be just like Me, your life can't be all about you. And I feel like we we say that, you know, and that's kind of something you hear in in church, you know, a good bit in Christian circles. It's like, oh, it's not, my life is not my own. But but we really needed, you know, we've we've had a need to really sit in that. And, and press into that a little bit. And not just let that be something that is a part of our vernacular, but we don't know what it means. Like, no, no, my life is really not about me. And for Jesus to be the, our rabbi saying, if you want to be just like me, you have to deny yourself. It has to be about the will of the Father. And so that's when the, the next part of uh, taking up your cross daily comes in. Is that embracing of, of God's will for your life no matter what it costs you. That there's nothing that you're holding on to so tightly that, that it keeps you from being obedient. Um, no relational attachment. Um, Jesus says, if you love your father or mother more than me, then you're not fit to come after me. Now, he's not saying you should hate your parents. What he's saying is that his, our love for him should, should be greater than our love for our parents. And our spouse, and our kids, and our siblings, and, our, and even our own lives. Jesus says, if you want to be like me, that's, that's what it takes. It can't, can't be about you to the point that whatever God the Father leads you into, you have to be okay with it. And so we were kind of hanging out there for a little bit. And then we started looking at the third part of Luke 9.23, where, where Jesus says, just, just follow me. And how what disciples would do is they would literally follow the rabbi around. They would listen to him. They would watch him. They would ask questions. And they would begin to imitate him in every possible way. And so we just kind of looked at a couple of interactions that, that our rabbi had with people and, and kind of kind of stood, stood there beside him and, and said, okay, what would it be like to watch him do this, to watch him handle it this way, to, to listen to these words, and what does that mean for us, and how do we imitate him? We looked at uh, Jesus being, uh, his feet being anointed by the sinful woman, um, and we watched our rabbi not push away this woman who was weeping over over her sin and the forgiveness of of our Savior. We we let him, uh, him we we watched him not judge her. Everybody else in the room sized her up and said, "Oh, if he knew if he knew who she was, he would." There's no way he would let her do that. And we watched him uh, just completely just deal with her and with just the grace and love of of the Father. We watched that, and I, th- I think it's, it's a challenging thing uh, for us to really say, okay, am, am I like the Pharisees in the room who were judging her, or am I like the Savior who, who under- just, he just understood it? Um, and so we had to come face-to-face with, okay, if we're going to imitate our rabbi in this, we have to interact with the world in a, in a gracious and loving way and, and understand uh, that, that people, um, people are people, and a past doesn't really matter, and whatever labels that culture comes up with, they don't really matter and that's kind of been a theme that that I think God's been pushing us into. say so you want to really be like Jesus, then quit looking at at people based on their issues and start looking at them as people created in the image of God uh, that Jesus came to die for. Um, we also looked at uh, when there was a woman caught in the act of adultery, which meant according to the law, that she needed to be killed, and they asked Jesus what he had to say. And when, we watched our rabbi uh, lean into the Holy Spirit to figure out how to, like, what do I say to this, you know? And we watched him just silence the entire crowd by pointing out that uh, that everybody has sinned. And essentially saying that the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level. I mean, it's, it's for everybody. It doesn't really matter what your specific sin is. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so we watched him... Uh, not pile condemnation on this woman but he just heaped grace on her and after everybody was gone he said where, there's nobody left to condemn you and she said no one and, and he said me either and we came to grips with the fact that our, our rabbi does not look at us and, and beat us up about stuff and look down upon us and expresses great disappointment in us and all that that he doesn't bring condemnation, that he is loving and gracious and compassionate. And that we are to not only imitate that in the lives of others, but we are to receive that in our own struggles and our own issues. And last week, we looked at the, there's a man who was born blind and he was begging and the disciples said, hey, who's, who, why did this happen to him? Did his parents sin or did he sin that he was born blind? And Jesus says, "No, it's 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 not. It's not about that. This happens so that uh, the work of works of God w- could be displayed in His life, and kind of dealt with that challenging reality that wow, like God, God either causes stuff to happen or He allows stuff to happen, but but He is sovereignly in control of things that we do not understand, and He and and He, like yeah, He lets that stuff go on." And sometimes it's it's him saying, no, I'm, I'm going to do this so that I can uh, show off through it. And other times, I think it's it's the way that that sin plays out. It's the brokenness of the world that plays out. And God lets that stuff happen, and he takes it and redeems it and brings beauty out of ashes. And the thing is, he's making us into the kind of people who wrestle through all these difficulties and all the whys and the what ifs and all this kind of stuff. And and he allows us to wrestle through those things and brings us to that point where we're the kind of people that say, you know what, this makes no sense to me other than the fact that that God will redeem it. And so if God wants to let this happen or make this happen or whatever, whatever goes on, then just bring it because if, if this is going to display his... His works and His goodness through my life, then that is, like my, that is what I absolutely want with my entire life to be about. Then if it needs to happen through difficulty, awesome. Let it happen through difficulty. If it needs to happen through all kinds of goodness, then let it happen through all kinds of goodness. Whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. He's making us into these kinds of people that we've been looking at. The kind of people who don't judge. The kind of people who don't look at issues, but they look at people. The kind of, of folks who, who understand, like the, like the sinful woman who was, was weeping, that she had been forgiven of so much. She understood that, and he's making us into those kinds of people. He's making us into the kind of people who can wrestle through difficult things and say, to God be the glory, just wh- whatever, however he wants to use me. My life is not my own. Um, that's, that's what he's doing. And that's what that's I think the overarching deal through Lent is is I think we've been breaking into smaller pieces, but the big idea is that like this is who like Jesus is forming us more and more into His own image. So when we look at some of these stories and we look at how Jesus handles something, there's a part of us I think that's like if only if only I were there, you know, if only I could really handle things that way or see things that way. But that's the point of what we're talking about. That's the point of discipleship and following after Jesus. Is He's saying, yeah, this is exactly who I'm going to make you into. I'm going to make you into someone who denies themselves and takes up their cross daily. And you do that, you, the way that you do that is by following me. Listen to me. Watch me. Ask me. Imitate me. And that whole process gets stirred up and stirred up and stirred up. And the next thing you know, there's Christ likeness being formed in us. On this past Wednesday night, we we uh, met with our ministry team leaders, and that's what we did at the beginning of the meeting. Is I just we went around the room and and we looked at at that passage of scripture, Luke nine twenty three, and we had to we had to to say, um, how are you like? When it comes to denial of self or taking up your cross daily or following him, where where are you different than you used to be? Where have you seen him grow you up? And the reason why we did that is because so often we go right to like where all our shortcomings, our shortcomings, our shortcomings, and we need to recognize like no no, Jesus began something in each one of us as his kids, and he always finishes what he starts, and so there is progress that's coming and he's making us into these kinds of people. So so why why review the last couple of weeks? Why take that this amount of time up to this point to do that? Here, here's why. I believe that that God is no more at work right now than he always is. So I'm not saying like, yeah, he's really doing a lot now when he's been kind of lazy lately. That's not what I'm saying. But I do feel like 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 God has been I think showing uh, some of the folks who who um, provide leadership in different ways uh, within this church, to the folks who like, are, are like prayer people. I, I believe that God's been showing us, hey, um, there's some folks that are really on the cusp of, of abundant life, like legit abundant life. Um, and the, the journey through Lent and all this stirring up and all the things that have been going on, I think there is just really, we're on the verge of some really good breakthroughs with abundance. Um, but I think there's, uh, there's something that needs to happen still. And I don't know how it fits into where you, where you are. Um, and, and honestly, like I'm not hundred percent sure how it fits into where I am because I think that's what comes after tonight. Um, but I think we need to have a, a moment like this young man had with Jesus that we're about to look at uh, a moment where we really, uh, we really just cowboy up. And And see what's going on, so look at in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse seventeen it says as, uh, I'm sorry, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, "Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life?" And Jesus said to him. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. All right, we're gonna stop right there for just a few minutes. Um, the rich young ruler—that's what this is known as. Um, he comes up to Jesus and asks a really good question. You know, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What a great—I mean, what a great question. What if more people just walked up to you and were like, hey, what do I got to do? Live forever. You know, it'd be awesome. We don't see that very often. So, this is, this is unique uh, in, in some ways. And so, how Jesus answers this guy I mean, that's us as disciples, we should, we should really be listening in. Okay, what is, which way is he going to go with this? So, of course, Jesus never answers the way you think he's going to. So, he's like, hold on, don't just go throwing the word good around. Okay. Only God's good. Don't be, don't be taking your worldly, earthly standards of good and just throwing them on me haphazardly. Okay. Well, we didn't see that one coming. That's not what we're going to focus on. Uh, that's what he says at first, and then he tells him, "Well, you need to keep all, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments." And we've talked before about the role of the law, the Ten Commandments. How the law was. Uh, was was really was like a mirror, you know, like God's holding up a mirror to somebody. Because we don't, we, humans, like, we don't really think that we need a Savior, you know. Our whole planet is filled with people who think, like, yeah, man, this world's messed up, but they don't understand that there's a reason for that, you know. And if you were to tell them, well, the world's broken and, and needs a Redeemer, and His name is Jesus, they would probably be like, no, I, I don't really know. You know, it's just kind of one of those things where it's how humans are. And so the law comes in, and God gives the Ten Commandments, and it's like he's holding up this mirror to the, to the heart and soul of humanity and saying, okay, here's, this, is, this is the problem. So he tells them, here's ten, ten ways to live. And much like if somebody tells you, like, don't think of the number five, like, that's all you can think about right now is the number five. Like, so God's like, don't murder. Everybody's like, I just want to go kill people right now. Like, I just, I don't know what, something just came over me. But that's now how I handle all confrontation, you know? Don't lie. Well, I, I never lie. Well, you just lied. See, it's, it's like, that's, that's the thing. And so uh, the law kind of functions in that way of, of proving to humanity, guess what? You don't have what it takes. It's like a mirror that God's holding up saying, look, look. And there's a veil that's, that's there. man can't, can't really understand it. And like, uh, Jesus takes away the veil. And you see, you see the reality of the fact that, of, of how, um, how broken the world is. And how in need of a redeemer. And there's Jesus. And it's just this whole thing. There's a whole series of podcasts on it you can go listen to. But, but, but that's what Jesus does. He points them to the law. And he says you need to follow, follow the commandments. Follow the rules that you can't keep, basically. Like you'll, you'll be on the right track. Because this is Mark ten, what happens in Mark eleven? Triumphal entry, Holy Week, the cross, all that. So it's almost like Jesus, is like, look, you just keep hanging in there, and uh, pretty soon everything's going to make a little more sense. And so this young man, a uh, little confident, says, yeah, "I know all that, right? I've done all that since I was a kid. Like from my youth, I have followed, I've kept all the commandments." So then, if, to me, if we're sitting there, if I'm a disciple, and that's what somebody comes in and says, "So what I need to do to inherit eternal life, keep the commandments. So I've, I'm perfect, basically. Then I'm really, like, listening in, like, how, how is he going to, like, completely blast this kid, you know? But that's not, that's not what we have here. And I want, us to, I want verse 21, I want this, like, to be what leaps out. It says, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. All right, we're going to leave that right there. Um, I, I believe that, uh, well, okay, Th- what I'm about to say has nothing to do with materialism. And selling our possessions and giving them to the poor. Okay, uh, so if that's what you—if that's what you're worried about—that this is a pro tithing, anti whatever sermon, just relax. This this is a moment in this young man's life that you and I need to step into in our own lives. When you, read the, uh, when you read the account in Matthew, or when you read it in Mark and in Luke, uh, it says, um, Jesus starts off, uh, you lack one thing. When you read it in Matthew, that's how the, the guy ends his, his previous deal. He says, I've kept all those commandments since I was young. What do I lack? Now, I don't know if, you know, some people that drives them crazy when the gospels say different things. and I don't, To me, that's fine. Uh, so I don't know if the young man asked it or if Jesus just said it. Uh, what I tend to do is just mash them together. And so maybe the dialogue went, I've kept all those things from when I was a kid. What do I still lack? And then Jesus says, here's what you lack. And he tells him. Regardless. Coming to our rabbi and saying, what, what is it with me? What is lacking? What's the issue? What's the problem? What's the hold up? What's the plug in the drain that's keeping me from living like just in that complete abundance? What is it? That, we, need, we need that, that interaction. We need, we need Jesus to look at us And lovingly say to us, Is this it's it's this, this is this is what it is for you. We need Jesus, our prophet, was in community groups this past week. What does a prophet do? They would reveal the truth about God to the people. They're God's mouthpiece. That he spoke, spoke through him and said this is what's true and what's real about God and about you and being someone's prophet, being a prophet to the world is really just telling, hey this is, this is the truth about God, this is what Jesus did to this guy in this moment he said this is what you lack money is your idol do this idol goes away Then you're free from that bondage to idolatry to come and follow me. See, if you if God's been stirring something in you, then you're kind of on the cusp and you kind of feel like, man, I really God he's there's something, he's doing something, he's doing something. You need to have a conversation like this with Jesus. Say, what is it? Just let him let him tell you because you that's what it's going to take. like that's the difference between Jesus saying something and everybody else. See, here's the rich young ruler who's keeping all these commandments, and a part of that was already giving to the poor and it was all this whatever uh, but it took Jesus saying it for him to react, you know. Now, of course, he reacted, he walks away, whatever. That's, I'm not saying do that. But there's something different when Jesus is the one telling you, hey, you're super judgmental, you know that, right? It's different when Jesus is the one saying, uh, you pretty much just heap condemnation on yourself just all the time. It's different when Jesus is the one saying, Your job is complete I mean it's completely your idol. Your spouse, completely your idol. Your kids are idols in your life. See, I can't I can't say that to somebody. I can I can try and there are times when God I think uses us as each other's prophets to speak that, but when Jesus says it, it's it's different. It carries this weight that is holy and good and perfect. And it makes zero sense that we don't come to him more just like this guy and say, what do I lack? I let him say it's this. But notice Jesus does not just say, well, money's your idol. Deal with it. He says, money's your idol. Give it all away. And then you'll be free to follow me. See, when when we come to the Lord and we ask Him to show us, He doesn't just point it out. He He leads us out of that bondage, that idolatry, that whatever, that judgment, that the lies that we believe, the, whatever it is, he, he leads us out of it. He leads us out of it through the Scriptures. He leads us out of it through His Spirit. He leads us out of it through our community. And that's why we need to involve people, and we need to figure out what the Bible has to say about it, and we have to start walking in truth. Um, he will lead us because he is a good shepherd. But he's got to be the one to show us what's holding us back. We need we need our own rich young ruler moment. When we say, I'm, I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of not knowing what it is. Will you show me? And he will. But then, in that verse, verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. There's there's a take it or leave it aspect to this. Sometimes people are, uh, they question why we do our services the way we do, why we, don't, why we don't have an invitation, walk the aisle kind of deal, or whatever. And uh, that really just comes down to a, a a personal conviction that we just, you don't see it in the Bible. In the Bible, they're like, this is what the truth is. And people are either like, yes, that's what I want. Or they're like, nope, I want nothing to do with it. Okay, well. So that's why we do our services this way. The rich young ruler, he didn't like what Jesus had to say, so he went away and he was sad about it. You don't have to walk away and be sad about it. You know, but when you keep reading the story, verse 23, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Of God, all right. Now, this is not an anti-wealth, anti-rich people sentiment. I think Jesus is saying, okay, you guys underestimate the attachment to wealth and possessions that that it comes. Like you just you don't understand how much it grips you. But he's referring to the rich young ruler and that problem, the problem that he had. So if we kind of bird's eye it, kind of raise up to thirty thousand feet, we under I, I think that we can make the, the jump that we don't understand the, the hindrance that any of these issues are for us. We think, oh, it's just a little shame from my past. Oh, it's just a little lie that I'm believing. Oh, it's just this, this bit of baggage I'm unwilling to deal with. Oh, it's just this painful thing. Or it's just this, it's just this, it's just this. And I think the rich young ruler is like, it's just money, right? It's just stuff. I think Jesus is saying, don't underestimate anything. That I'm going to show you as being a hindrance. As things that you're lacking. Don't dismiss it. Then he says. And it says verse 27. Oh I'm sorry go to 26. says and they were exceedingly astonished. And said to him. Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said. With man it is impossible. But not with God. For all things are possible. With God. So I think. I think some folks have basically all just given up and just accepted, just accepted whatever your relationship with God looks like. Like you said, it's just my personality. It's just I'm I'm too old. I'm too young. This is just how I am. This is how how it's going to be. My wounds are are too deep. My baggage is too heavy. The lies are are too big, and. And so by doing that, you've kind of minimized it and just said, like, here's this really big thing, it's so, so massive, I'm just going to minimize it and just be like, well, it's just not really that big a deal if I just live in like semi-abundance in the Lord. Semi-freedom, semi-truth, semi-goodness. I'll just be okay with that, It'll, it won't be that big a deal. And so I think some people have really just given up. and so, Well, it's just not for me, I guess. That joy and that peace and that abiding life, that's just, that must be for somebody else, must not be for me, because I've tried it, and it doesn't really work. And so you've, if that's you or someone that you know, they've chalked it up as being impossible. And when Jesus is saying, "Yeah, in your own efforts, of course, it's impossible. But God, there, there's no such thing as impossibility with the Lord. And so our prayer request cards say, Jesus Christ has the power to dot, dot, dot. Because we believe he has the power to change any life, any situation, uh, any whatever, any marriage, any friendship, any work situation, any financial deal, any addiction, any whatever. He has the power to do anything. And so the rich young ruler walked away sad, one, because he was attached to so much to his money and found his identity in it or whatever, however you want to chase that, one, he was so attached to it, but two, I think he saw it as an impossibility of saying, well, there's just no way, there's just no way I can do that. There's no way I can overcome that issue. That thing that I lack is too big. And So I'll just settle. It won't be that big, not, not that big a deal to settle and minimize it. And that is not why Jesus died. We need to to look in that mirror and realize that Jesus died to make us into people who deny themselves and take up their crosses daily and follow him and imitate him and represent him and join him as prophet to the world, and join him as priest to the world, and join him as king to the world, which is coming in community groups. And we join him in that, and we embody that to the world. That's, he died so that you would not be so self-centered. He died so that you would not be so attached to your own plans and your own whatevers that, you, uh, that keeps you from being obedient. He died to free you from all that stuff. So when we sing a song that says, it is finished, that's what he's saying. Your bondage to that stuff is completely done. It's completely finished. There's no more wrath to be absorbed. There's no more, no more slavery. There's no more separation. There's nothing left to be reconciled. Everything is completely done. And so here we are, needing to come to Jesus and say, what is it? I know you're stirring me up. I know you're making me into yourself. I know that, that like, this is what I want. This is where you're leading me. I know what it's there. But what what is it that I lack? And you know what the crazy part is? I bet every one of us in this room wouldn't have to sit for hours trying to listen to what it is because you already know. We know. We know what it is. We know what that thing is that we lack. The rich young ruler, he wouldn't have even had to ask a question if he thought that everything was okay. It's like he knew something wasn't right. And you know and I know. But like I said, I think it's a cowboy up moment where we say, I'm just tired of this. I'm ready to to deal with it. I'm ready to, to live the abundant life that Jesus provides for me and empowers in me. And so I don't, like I said earlier, I don't know where where this meets you in your journey. I don't know if God's been stirring you up for something or whatever, but what we're not going to do is have like a a big altar call, like everybody come and like quote the rich young ruler story to Jesus or whatever, because I think that, that that's a really, really important conversation for you and the Lord to have on your own at some other time. For the things he's already stirring, I think that you need to, talk to your friends about it I think you need to talk to your spouse about it I think you need to be praying together share with your community group something we walk through all this stuff together but if that's what the truth is and how we respond to it is that's up to you you could be like this guy and walk away sad or be frustrated or you can say yeah that's that's what I want that's what I want I want my rabbi to show me what I lack and show me how to, how to get through this, I want to bring my community in and I want to go forward with it because my life is not my own and daylight is burning and life is it's too short, I'm just not going to pout anymore I'm not going to wonder, I'm not going to live less than anything like, I want to be just like my rabbi let's go Let's pray. Lord, your um, your goodness to us is without boundary or limit, and I'm grateful that in Mark ten twenty one, we're able to see that you looked at this guy and you loved him. And you loved him enough to tell him the truth, to lead him forward in your goodness. And so, uh, Father, I just ask that in this place, just for these next few minutes, that, um, that we would receive the loving and truthful gaze of our Savior and our Rabbi. and as we sing songs that are that push us forward and push us into those conversations and into whatever that would, we would do so in full view of the grace and love of that you shower upon us thank you that you really do love us that you love us enough to to lead us into abundance, that you love us enough to leave heaven and come here and die so that we would not be dead, that we would not be separate, that we would not be enslaved, but that we could truly live. We thank you that the call to follow after you is ultimately a call unto death. It is a death to ourselves, a death to our ego and our pride and our self reliance. And our tendency to just honor ourselves in every situation. It is a death to that. A death to our own plans and dreams for our lives. A death to our attachment to our stuff, our money, our careers, our whatever. Just a death to anything that points to our glory. And through that death, we are raised to walk in newness of life. A new life that points to you in all things. And so what is it that we lack? It's different for all of us. And we're trusting you to lead us into that. Um, and I pray that, uh, that the songs that we sing here in just a second are a part of, uh, of getting us, uh, of our response to your invitation to come to you. That you will use some, these songs and prayers to, uh, to muster up faith and hope. Encourage in us. So help us, Lord, to um, to sing and uh, to respond out of faith, as people who live by faith and not by sight, live by faith and not by emotion, live by faith and not by circumstances. We look at the at your goodness. And our rabbi who just looks us square in the eye and says, I love you enough to tell you this. And as someone prayed before the service tonight, I pray that your gaze would just, we would just see it as just far greater than anything else. But there's just nothing that compares at all. We love you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's sing these as a part of our response as we move forward.